You're listening to the B2B Growth Think Tank, the show that brings you the virtual hot seat where each week my expert guests and I help another business leader by masterminding actionable solutions to a specific challenge they're currently trying to solve in their business. So if you're looking for answers to a specific challenge that you're facing, that if you could solve in the next 90 days would have a huge impact on your growth, send it in to thinktank at thinklikeafish.co.uk and we'll see if we can feature you on the show. My name is Adam King, your host and the captain of the ship at growth consultancy Think Like a Fish. And if you're ready to rethink what's possible for your business and discover the growth strategies, advice and insight to turn this new vision into a reality, let's get started. Hey, Adam here, and thanks very much for tuning in. And as you are, I'm going to make the assumption that you are responsible for generating revenue for an established B2B professional service business, and you're looking to grow your revenue. So what I've got for you, you're going to absolutely love because I've recently released my new revenue multiplier calculator and bonus training where using this tool and following the training, you'll discover how to uncover the hidden revenue opportunities in your business and be able to systemize your growth using seven revenue multipliers that can double your business in 12 months or less. So if you want to go and grab your copy, go to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash calculator. Now on to today's episode. So today's virtual hot seat question or challenge has come in and it is, how do I effectively differentiate my sales consultancy in a very crowded market? First thoughts on hearing that challenge, Jim. This one hits close to home. Uh, because I, and I can draw some recommendations. We're going to make a lot of assumptions. And I know that's the case typically in these virtual hot seats, uh, but we'll, we'll, hopefully this will be helpful and not just for this person. I think, uh, there, there are several lessons, um, any sort of professional services. Well, why I like this one is because it actually does allow us to talk in a little bit more generality, make some of those assumptions. But I think between us, we've got quite, you know, enough experience to be able to make the right type of assumptions underneath what is happening with this question. Yes. When you you shared this with me, there was a little twinge because I've I've made some mistakes myself and I'm, I'm happy to talk about that as well. Um, and this does uh, hit very close to home. But I do think this is very much a messaging centered issue. When I talked um, earlier about uh, crickets, commodities and cowboys, this is the commodity piece, right? We're talking about differentiation. And your, uh, your listener viewer is right. It's a crowded market space. And, and when you say something like sales consultant, that means lots of different things to different people. It's very muddy. The, the first thing that comes to mind is sales consultant. You don't want to sound like a salesperson and you don't want to sound like a consultant. So <laughs> you have two things in your title that are working against you. And uh, oftentimes people don't want to hire a consultant. Let's just put it, put it there. There's not well, joy. What's the old adage? You know, you hire a, a consultant and they'll steal your watch to tell you their time. Is that the one? That's right. But, <laughs> but you know, I can say, hey, there's value in knowing what time it is. So Absolutely. However, however we get there. I think um, you've I heard that one before. <laughs> I was I was I was working with a team. This was a little bit different for me just a couple of months ago with a, a, a big law firm. They do a, a certain type of legal practice. And I had to remind them that when they're talking to potential clients 
and to clients that they're not having cocktails at the bar association meeting. You have to get past the language of lawyers and knowing that people typically don't want to hire you. They don't understand what you do. They don't like the way that they pay for your services. And, um, and it's just, it's just icky. That's a very technical term, but Mm. it's just very icky for them. So, so uh, back to the question: How do I differentiate myself? Uh, if uh, what well, I first do is of a all, what do you think about the term "differentiate"? What do you, I mean, we're going to make some assumptions, but when somebody says the word "differentiate" to you, what do you what do you think they're talking about? Well, it's it's a legitimate, uh, very legitimate concern. Uh, what it gets to, so differentiating from our perspective as a seller or as a service provider, really means to how I am um, perceived on the other side with a buyer or a potential buyer. What do, what do they compare me to? What do, you, what do you like? What do you solve? What do you do? And so the differentiation is something we do in order to produce the result on the other side. The best result is that you are perceived as solving a relevant uh, near-term compelling problem. And you're, if not the only choice, you're the first choice. So I we, know we, we need Adam. That? Can somebody get Adam? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but do you think then that that underneath, so so I, I often try and sort of think between the lines and some of these and some of the, the assumptions we have to make. I think really hearing this question is that the underlying symptom that they're potentially experiencing is either a a lack of sales, a lack of sales conversations, potentially a lack of leads. So they're kind of looking at this and I actually applaud them for looking at it in in terms of like a a differentiator because potentially they have come up with against some of these challenges. It could be, right, okay, well, I can't even get through the door. Or when I do get in the the door, I am the commodity. I am being compared against price, all that kind of thing. Um, So I I tend to find that it it is generally in one of those two sort of challenges is can't get through the door, can't get the attention. And then when I'm in the door, it's like, right, well, how much do you charge? And it's like, well, yes. like I, you know, it, it's, it's a very different thing. So, so if you're just seen as a trainer or you're yeah. seen as a whatever, and, and it's not, and you find yourself with procurement or not an economic buyer or things aren't well, um, well scoped and well uh, perceived, then I, I agree with you. So it's going to be lack of opportunity. There's a mismatch in terms of what you provide and, and where you're getting traction. It's, it could be low win rates, low margins, um, long times to a, to a deal where it takes so much explanation. Well, let me go back. Let me tell you one more thing. And, and so Constantly those are symptoms of that underlying issue. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to, and, um, I, I have a few thoughts, um, a few recommendations again, not knowing the specifics here, but I do mm-hmm. think Adam, this is an opportunity for one and I'll, I'll keep it brief here, but it's a compelling learning. I think for anyone who's a service provider or you're selling a high value offering, typically that will have more than one person on the other side of the, of the buying process. Your buyer, your potential buyer has to answer some questions for themselves. And I find that there are three of them and then they occur in a particular order and poor sellers or, or frustrated sellers get this wrong. Effective ones get this right. So here are the questions. And I will say your buyer is asking themselves these questions, whether they're consciously aware of it or not. The first question is, why should I change or consider changing what I'm doing today? 
So if I've got a problem, what we've tried before hasn't worked or we don't know how to approach it. But that's the, the change piece, the case for change they have to make internally is the first question. The second question is why now? Why should it be a priority? There are lots of good ideas. There are 25 things we'd like to address in the business. What are our top three or four that are compelling? We have a sense of urgency about them. And then, and only then, it's why you? Why you versus a named competitor? Why you versus us doing it ourselves? That's where the differentiation piece comes in. And so um, what I find is that those sellers, individuals and teams who are really good recognize that's the sequence. They don't get ahead of themselves. Where people struggle is if they think, oh, I've got to establish my credibility. I've got to differentiate on the front end. That's the first thing I'm going to do is tell people why I'm different, how I'm better, better trained, more experienced, more logos. This is what makes me great when they haven't made the case for change yet. So that they try to do all the credibility statements and the capability stuff. And then that doesn't really work. They're trying to answer the, the why me part. Then they try to promote a sense of urgency and they get frustrated with that. So maybe if we bundle it differently, price it differently, do something like that, we can't get them to change. And then, then they come back to the, the change piece. Well, we have to start educating the market again. Well, the market doesn't need educating. They're not, they don't want that. They want, they want problems solved and they want to get to their opportunities. So with all of that, and I know underlying uh, this is a lot of the things you talk about, Adam. So, so when it comes to differentiation, realize that's at the end of the chain here. Don't start with setting yourself apart. And I think that gets to the first bit of, of advice or recommendation that I would have here, which is make sure you have your ideal client in mind, that there mm -hmm. you've, you've got a very clear sense of whom you're serving and when and what you would do for them. And you're associating yourself with a problem. So if you're a sales consultant, you can, you can come with that or you can say, you know, my clients come to me when they're not winning RFPs. Our clients come to me when they're beefing up their sales team and they need uh, people to be productive faster and be able uh, for us to, to uh, pay for them or um, whatever that, that case might be. So you're solving a problem, whether it be revenue growth, whether you, know, you need some specific expertise, whether you're, uh, whatever's on your dashboard uh, isn't working. And that answers the why change piece. So it's like, Absolutely. oh yeah, we have that. Our win rates are down. Our time to close is stretching out. We have a new competitor actually come outside of our industry that we don't know how to deal with that, uh, with that company. So that's the first part I would say. What's, and, and what's I'll, interesting I'll there? For a no, 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 no. What's in, uh, it's it's interesting because it's, it's brought up a thought of of, of mine, and, and that is. I don't I don't hear a lot of people talking about things in this way and is is that there is there is always opportunity in transition. That is where opportunity lies because without a transition people are comfortable and that is the most competitive place to play is comfort. Apathy kicks in. It's like well I don't need to change. Why would I need to change? So one of the ways that you can differentiate yourself or at least start the process of considering how to differentiate yourself is to start considering, right, who is my ideal target market, as you've said there, but really looking into not just the things about them, the, dem you know, the, the, the psychographics, the demographics, all the rest of it. What are the transitions in your clients? Like, what are they? As you've said there, we're about to ramp up our sales team. We are 
we've we've just been we've just lost five RFPs in a row, like those sorts of things. What are those transitions? It's the things. It's the trigger events. You know, it's like any big change event in life is a transition, and there is opportunity in there. Like anything from. Um, you know, leaving home for the first time, starting university, getting married, having kids, all the rest of it. That's massive transition. And there is a lot of trepidation, nervousness, all that kind of thing that goes with it. But there is also a hope and a positive perception of the future. So that is why the transition, it can't be a negative transition. It has to be a positive one. So can you pinpoint those transitions within your ideal client? Maybe you have to narrow your ideal client a little bit further in order to identify those because they're too broad. But if you want to differentiate yourself and you want to be able to take a message that really confidently says, I'm the guy you come to when whatever said transition occurs, then you're differentiated. That's excellent. And that gets to, it was actually my the second thought that I had for this person, not sounding like a salesperson, not sounding like a consultant. And I've, I've heard that mantra before. And I think it's very powerful, not necessarily talking about what you do, but when you do it. So do you have, oh, are not, you not, dealing? Not, not said it in that way, but I'm going to take it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and so um, oftentimes when, when, if I'm speaking to audiences or working with a client, it's because they've got some big change. And obviously they're pandemic changes, right? So that can, if you're a sales consultant, then um, there are probably a lot of sales teams out there. I've been working with some who need to be able to operate in a more virtual environment um, or, or, you know, pass along their credibility and, and run meetings in a, in a different sort of way. That's very tactical, but really it comes down to um, the change case is going to come when, when you, your potential client uh, is having to deal with a new buyer, or maybe they're integrating an acquisition or territory reassignments, or they have a new type of solution. Or uh, as one I was working with uh, that sells software into banks and banks are having to deal with uh, fintechs and others who come outside of their industry with better technology, better customer experiences. They don't quite know what to do. Their market share is eroding. Um, their ability to generate loan business has been a problem. So, so you're solving some problem with a particular buyer, group of buyers uh, that's compelling and, and you're producing that result for them. So I agree. So when I think identifying who is that ideal client, what's that ideal situation, what's the, the timing, the why now, when something important is changing mm. and they can't do it themselves or they won't do it themselves, they need help. That's I where sort of, yeah, I, I often talk about it in terms of like, if you were meeting or, um, you know, your ideal client was meeting with their best friend, what does that conversation sound like when the best friend says to them, so what's going on in your world? What's going good? What's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they just sort of go, well, this is what we're dealing with. And it's all about, I am trying to get to the next level or, or we are about to go through this big change. It's kind of like, so what's going on? Well, you know, we've been trying to buy this house for, you know, the last 10 months and it's all fallen through three times, blah, 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 da, 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 da. Whereas if you have placed yourself in your, in that friend's mind, that you have a solution for that kind of thing. It's like, so you're telling me that your house sale has fallen through three times, blah, blah, blah. Right. You need to talk to 
Bob. Bob's the guy you go to when you cannot keep a chain together. Something like that. I don't know. Well, you're you're right. And that actually brings me to there was a third point that I had, had scribbled down when you had talked about this hot seat situation. And I think this applies to a lot of folks is develop a story bank. And there's been a lot of focus on storytelling as part of messaging, as part of conversations. And there's good reason for that. What I find is that especially whether in our own experience, so we know the deals we worked on, right? We know the, the customers or the clients that we've served um, across a team, then people are in their own silos, their own experiences. So I might as we mentioned earlier, hey, I finally got the meeting with that financial buyer. Adam, haven't you worked with some VPs of finance? Have we done anything like that before? So it's it, it's trying to handle it tribally. I think use your playbook, use your guide as a way to develop a story bank that mm -hmm. handle different use cases, different types of clients or customers that you've served in certain ways. And then you can structure them into bite-sized pieces. How to tell a story uh, comes from there as well. But People do remember those stories, as you were saying. Um, hey, your your house keeps the, the thing keeps falling through, or you're you're frustrated with something. You really need to talk to Adam, and because I remember this time when Adam did so and so and so and so. Or in my case, it was a certain story. People remember stories; they're fun to share, and there is a craft to it that can be part of of what you do. But organizing a story bank for yourself. And especially across a team, and I mean maybe eight or ten of them. Not it doesn't have to be hundreds. People can't keep that many in mind. But as you're planning your conversations, and you know you're going to have an opportunity, you know, these would be the two or three stories mm -hmm. that might feel relevant and fun and and worthwhile to share. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I mean, I remember one of my first jobs um, out of university a while ago now, and um, the managing director of the company. Um, I used to hear him on, on calls and it would be the same story he would tell on every single call. And it, it got to the point where I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, Sean, I am so bored of hearing that bloody same story. And yeah. he would kind of laugh at the same bit and they would laugh at the same bit and all the rest of it. And it's just like, I remember saying like, you know, why, why do you tell the same one? He goes, because it's a story I know and that is going to be repeated. And it was so true because then um, a, a while later, I was at a, a meeting when he wasn't in there and the same bloody story was told back to us. <laughs> it was just like, I was like, oh God, not, uh, I don't want to hear that bloody story again. But it, it just sort of shows that so, you, you get so bored of your own stuff before anybody else as well. So there's, there's an awful lot in there. And, and this is, uh, as, as I think I, um, I was expecting, it's, it's a really broad question, which can have a lot of nuances, but ultimately to sort of, you know, to, to attempt to summarize it from what we've discussed, this is a beautiful challenge that has been recognized because it is all around the foundation of a business. And it's not on how do I go and do a specific X, Y, and Z tactic. So the key to differentiation is understanding those three levels that you refer to there. Where are you trying to do it? Also understanding your ideal client, really defining that ideal client, getting into their head, understanding their challenges, their hopes, dreams, fears, frustrations, what's keeping them up at 3am, what are they complaining to their buddy about at the pub and all that kind of thing. And then it's really about understanding, is there a transition that you can sort of place yourself into? 
And the one thing I think that we didn't necessarily touch on, but I think that it's it's just a sort of sow the seed to do a little bit more thinking around uh, to anyone listening is, what's your offer? And I'm not talking about the service that you provide, but what is your offer? What do you actually deliver as a as an outcome or a result? And how do you communicate that? Because if you're just communicating based on category of the business that you're in, I am a sales consultant. Like, as you said, don't tell don't let people know that you're in sales and don't tell them that you're a consultant. Communicate the value and the output, the result that you provide and sort of like work on those areas and elements because that will differentiate you. It's like, hi, yes. how are you? What do you do? I'm a sales consultant. No, thank you. Cheerio. Hey, what do you do? <laughs> well, what we do is we help to streamline sales, um, uh, you know, functional, uh, in functional sales team, and uh, we turn their, um, you know, we we change their average sales, so improve their average sales cycle from, uh, you know, twelve weeks to, uh, to to four weeks, and improve their um, closing margins by X percent in whenever it is. Like it's 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 a very different offer and a very different proposition to yes. I'm a sales consultant. So I hope that has helped um, the sales consultant who we have just, I think, uh, sort of <laughs> sort of bashed your profession maybe a little bit. But um, <laughs> I hope you do not take offense because, um, yeah, it's the uh, it's a profession that everybody needs in the world because at the end of the day, nothing yeah. happens until a sale is made and nobody eats and puts bread on the table until somebody buys things. So that's just the and, way. And it's, it's, a, it's more than a shame if you actually are really valuable, if you do produce those results, Absolutely. but you're not connecting because the message gets lost. If people don't really understand the setting of what you do, that's a, it's more than a shame. It's, it's nearly criminal Adam, mm. to have this this gap in confidence between what you know you can provide, what you know you can offer, and having confidence in how to talk about it. So, uh, get get comfortable 100%. in 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 this as well. Hundred percent. Well, Jim, this has been great fun. Like, um, yeah, could, could could go on 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 and on and on and on about this. However, I have to respect your time. So, where is the best place? Well, first of all, if people listening to this are thinking, yeah. I'm interested in what Jim's been saying. What kind of person is the best to reach out to you and where should they do that first? The, the ways that I work and the, the people whom I serve is mostly on the consulting and advisory side. And the, that tends to be people who own businesses or run business units. They have P&L responsibility. They may be a marketing leader or a sales leader. Um, if, if I'm happy to be a sounding board, ha happy to have a conversation. I should be happy to have a conversation about this because we're having a conversation about conversations. Uh, the easiest way to get to, to find out about me um, is, first of all, I would uh, I'd welcome a connection on LinkedIn. Uh, my last name is uh, K-A-R-R-H. So it's kind of easy to find uh, if you can Sounds get close. Sounds very German, Jim. Uh, well, that's one story that comes from my family. There's another that it's Scott Irish. It, um, somebody's wrong. Maybe everybody's wrong. I frankly don't know the uh, the right answer to that. But it's I had uh, to for anyone listening. I, I had to ask Jim where because it's 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 a funny, obviously a different spelling of car, and I, I thought it was some funny pronunciation, but it is not. It is car. But um, just it's just the it is my, my branding was given to me at birth, Adam. So it is what it is. Uh, and uh, so I would welcome that connection. Mention that you you heard us here. 
Yeah, it would be easy for them to, to sort through. Uh, my website is jimcar.com. There are a lot of free resources there, including a one-page uh, five-step guide to, to managing your growth message. But I, I, I blog. I do a podcast, as you mentioned, called the Manage Your Message Podcast. And I would genuinely uh, enjoy uh, speaking with uh, your, any audience members. Uh, my book is available uh, wherever books are sold, and there's an audio version as well. If you can stand hearing the author read his own stuff. So all of those things go in. And well, I also, we've, uh, I we've both done that. So um, yeah, <laughs> whether or not it helps or not, I don't know. But um, I will include <laughs> all of those all of those links in the show notes so you can uh, yeah, click click through to those um, or, or just come back and uh, click onto them if you are out and about um, and not able to do so. But Jim, this has been an excellent conversation and I am very grateful for you being here. And I guess all that's left to say is have an awesome day. And um, I do hope anyone listening goes and connects with you and um, finds out more and just has a, a jolly good conversation with you. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it valuable. I hope you got some great ideas that you can take away and apply to your business to help you grow. If you did, please share it with somebody else that might also find this valuable because they will thank you for it. Also, to let you know that I have a podcast gift page where I put a lot of resources that I love to share with my listeners. You can find the links to join the Facebook community there and you can get my book, the Conversational Relationship Marketing and the audiobook version all for free, plus a number of other resources I'll be adding over time on that page. So make sure you head there to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift and you can help yourself to the things that make most sense to you. And if you have enjoyed the show, please make sure you're subscribed. You'll get updated as the new episodes come out. And finally, last favor, please consider giving the show your honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one. They mean the world for me. I love hearing from my listeners and it does help others find the show as well. So if you want to go and do that, I'd really appreciate it. But until next time, have an awesome day and we'll speak soon.